Hello Covenant Day School community. Welcome to CDS Stories, a podcast where we sit down with various members of our community to learn about the people that make CDS the special place that it is. I'm your host, Jackie Haynes. Today in the studio with me, I've got Mr. David Johnson, who is a dad to two girls, one of which is actually in kindergarten this year at Covenant Day, and he's married to Mindria Johnson. He is also the founder of the nonprofit Silent Images, a co-owner of Breakman's Coffee, and he actually began teaching a videography class here at Covenant Day School last year. I'm really excited that he's here in the studio with us today, and thank you for joining us, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, Jackie, thanks for having me. Yeah, just to give our listeners some background kind of about your story and how you ended up here in Matthews, can you tell us a little bit about the starting of Silent Images? Well, I'll I'll bring you back a little bit to my journey post-UNC Chapel Hill. I moved back to Charlotte and was a teacher coach at Providence Day School and uh, loved it. Don't hold that against me, but I was a charger (laughs) first before I was a lion, but now I am true lion. So, But I uh, love teaching and coaching, but I spent a lot of my time in the summers overseas, and I was doing a lot of writing, communications for nonprofits. Um, I was an English teacher at Providence Day, so I was constantly teaching creative writing, and so I was trying to figure out how to, how to take that medium to help nonprofits. Photography was always part of my story, and I always loved it, and so I started doing photography for nonprofits during the summer, and just began to see and hear that there's a huge need and gap. Uh, this was back in 2005, 2006, yeah. for nonprofits to just have visuals, you know, high-level uh, production for them uh, to tell their story, and they just they either couldn't afford it, they didn't have time, or they didn't have the expertise. And so, really, around 2006. 2005, the Lord started laying my heart, just this vision for a, a ministry. I didn't have a name or anything. I just knew that I wanted to use my camera and my skills to help uh, do communication for nonprofits. And so the story goes, in a, in a refugee camp in Darfur, Sudan in 2007 is really where a lot of it started to take shape for me. And really the conviction became pretty clear that sound images uh, needed to happen. And, and since 2007, we have been providing photography and video to charities all over the world. Yeah, that's amazing. You said in Sudan is when you felt confidence that this is what you're supposed to be doing. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So again, at that point, I didn't have a, a name for the charity. Right. It was just, I was just a guy with a camera who mm-hmm. wanted to serve and just wanted to just be used by the Lord and met a friend in Kenya who invited me uh, into Darfur and just said, if you've got a couple extra days in Africa, come in, take some photographs for me. I really think people need to see the story of what's happening with the genocide in Darfur at that point. And so I took my camera and I went in with him and uh, his group was called Persecution Project. It still is a ministry um, doing great work in South Sudan and spent several days there. And in the midst of that, really, the Lord began to speak pretty clearly through some Sudanese pastors there who oh, just wow, kind great. of affirmed for me, hey, the, the camera is an amazing tool for ministry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, were, they were literally fighting a war at that point. I mean, these pastors, I tell people I'm not exaggerating when they have a Bible in one hand and an <laughs> AK-47 in the other. That is how yeah. the gospel has lived out for them, trying to protect their families uh, their wives from being raped, their their families from being uh, persecuted from an ideology of Islamic cleansing that was being put out through South Sudan continues to happen in much of Sudan. But uh, but these guys would speak to me and just say, "Hey, your camera is really really powerful, and don't ever forget that you know 
a camera can be just as powerful, if not more powerful, than the guns we carry. Mm. And it was really in that season that the Lord began to lay in my heart a desire to use the camera, the, the burden of responsibility of just how can I use my camera to, to tell these stories. And Proverbs 31.8 was laid on my heart really clearly during that time of just to speak out for those who can't speak for themselves right. for the rights of all the destitute. And so that became and still is our founding verse for Silent Images. How can we use the camera to speak up for those who uh, can't speak for themselves around the world? And that includes Charlotte. I mean, we don't just work in, in Central Africa in the midst of war-torn areas. We also love serving right here in Charlotte. Yeah, that's really cool that you use that camera as a tool. And just technology today, using that for the glory of God. Obviously, you took this huge leap of faith stepping out of your job into this ministry and starting literally like building the name of it. Um, can you tell us what that was like to completely feel like you're starting from the bottom? It's, it's always, I tell people, I'm, you know, it's exciting and scary at the right. same, same point. And building anything is scary, but it's also, for an entrepreneur, I mean, I have an entrepreneurial spirit, obviously, <laughs> even with when it comes to the, the Brakeman story. But right. I love seeing things and watching it being built and being a part of the early stages of that and just seeing what God does. But I, I tell people, especially as I look back at my time at Providence Day, I could have stayed there. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could still be today coaching and teaching at Providence Day. And you know what? I, I would, uh, in a lot of ways, I wouldn't regret that because I always felt like being a teacher coach was my first missionary job. Mm. Um, a huge need for the gospel at yeah. places like Providence Day I and mean, everywhere. And so I, uh, I would have stayed there only because it's safe. I don't want to make a decision based on safety just because it's known and safe, um, because at some point that's really a, a moment that becomes suffocating, and you just know you're supposed to be doing something else, right. and uh, that's the season I was in. And so I, I knew, even with all the fear and the unknown, uh, to me it was it was the the clear and right decision, and uh, I haven't looked back. It's been it's been great, but it's great to be back in the classroom too, and we can <laughs> talk about that. That's amazing to hear someone desiring to step out of their comfort zone. I think that's a really powerful statement. When you go to these places and you try to tell the story of people that, like you said, are either not able to or actually were just unaware of, have you ever felt that your camera wasn't able to capture just the fullness of what you were experiencing, or were you ever uncomfortable to pull out a camera? Yeah, I mean, so two layers to your question. One is the the limit of the camera. Right is really frustrating because you walk into a situation and there's 360 degrees of life happening and there's smells. Mm. And, you know, I always said, I, I want to do a scratch and sniff of Africa because <laughs> um, people yeah. just need to smell it. And you know it, if you've been there, you know it, when you smell it, you know it. And, um, and there's memories and there's, there's things that, that just make you feel and experience it in a different way. But so there's limitations of the camera. There's a frame that is really frustrating for any photographer. And so you, you do have to make decisions as to how do I best tell this story knowing that I'm, I'm leaving a lot of things out of this frame. Right. So how do I find the story? How do I walk into a village and make a decision as to what is the story here? And part of discovering the story is also eliminating what is not necessary to tell the story. These are a lot of things we talk about in our right. videography class here is, is storytelling and how do you, with your camera and its limitations, still maximize your storytelling kind of philosophy and, and no one does it perfectly, right. but, um, but you have to have a, a storyteller's mind and eye to say, how do I at least do the best I can 
with the limitations to tell a story of what's developing right now in this next hour in this village or in this uh, homeless shelter in Charlotte or whatever, whatever the story is. And then the second part of your question was, I think, around the sensitivity with the camera, which is extremely difficult to navigate. And, and my, my team, when I hire them, uh, we have a, a code of ethics with sound images. Okay. And the first thing that they sign, number one on that list, is that you'll always be a missionary and a servant first and a photographer second. And so my team could all tell you stories, including me, of walking into situations and recognizing now is not the time to pull up the camera. Now is the time to serve. Now is the time to listen. Now is the time to observe. Mm -hmm. You know, because there is a threat of the camera, uh, and, and we recognize that. And so we don't do it perfectly, but my team is definitely trained from day one uh, to handle it with extreme sensitivity and always prioritizing the dignity of those that we're trying to document over just getting the story. I can imagine it's hard to come into a place and immediately feel as though you're here to just tell a story rather than just mm -hmm. experience the story. What, one of the first decisions I made pretty much the first week of Silent Images, you know, kind of becoming a nonprofit, uh, I just said, we are never going to sell anything for oh, profit. Wow. So, I mean, if, if people, and, you know, there are situations like the, the Disney film, the Queen of Catway, you know, which we were fortunate enough to kind of do the first documentary of that, get the first footage of Fiona and, and that whole just yeah. amazing story. And so we got, of course, calls from Disney and ESPN saying, hey, we want to buy your footage. And I always tell them, uh, whatever you pay is going to go straight to whoever we served. And so we, we made a decision from day one, we're not going to make any money off of a photograph, which also frees our photographers up where we can always look someone in the eye and go we are not going to make anything off this money if any money comes in you or your village or this ministry will be blessed by it and so it really creates a, a healthier dynamic between the photographer and the person's story we're documenting that we're not cnn we're not fox news we're not abc who's going to come in and and somehow you know make a buck off of your tragedy um, we really just want to tell your story as best we can. And, and if it does raise money, um, you'll be the beneficiary of it. So, um, so that, was, that was really important from day one, and we haven't uh, really adjusted at all from that philosophy. When you go into these countries, do you immediately share kind of your vision of who you guys are? Yeah, we do. I mean, you know, we, our photographers and I, we rarely are just roaming around a village right. by ourselves. We're always with some sort of local oh, okay. who can vouch for why we're there. And one of the first things I ask them often is, will you please tell you know everyone in this village or everyone in this homeless shelter why we're here mm. what we're going to do with these images what we're not going to do with these images uh, and that usually kind of puts everyone at ease so used right. to kind of ap photographers coming in and and kind of having a different take on trying to get the story and so i think for them it's a little refreshing to go oh okay great this is they're here to serve this ministry who we have a relationship with and so uh, we really leverage the relationships on the ground to give us street credit to pull out our camera. Yeah, that's really amazing. Um, so kind of switching gears into this whole idea of telling people's stories and even for the voiceless, but kind of even just experiencing life and experiencing those around you. Can you share with me a little bit about how Brakeman's came into the picture and <laughs> even the name of it? Well, um, <laughs> Brakeman's was birthed really out of, out of a, a joke in a lot of ways. It's me and two buddies who had a <laughs> Bible study together and 
we used to always complain that there wasn't great coffee in downtown Matthews. And one day, uh, if there's ever an opportunity, we're going to start a coffee shop. One of my buddies was a missionary in Africa oh, wow. and had started a coffee shop in Uganda. So he had, he had some knowledge, more right. knowledge than me. Things started to develop. Obviously, a coffee shop closed in downtown Matthews. And uh, the three of us just love community. And, and I, I'll tell people that all the time. And we love coffee, but, uh, <laughs> but more than that, uh, we love what coffee provides for people. And it's, you know, to me, I, I describe it, the, the, mo- the coffee shop is the, the modern-day urban fire pit. It is, it's where people gather. Mm, we don't gather around fire pits anymore, but we do gather around coffee. And so that love for community, that love for downtown Matthew, Sound Images is within walking distance of Breitman's. Right. And so, um, and I was in a season where I'm not traveling as much and okay. my team is out traveling. And so as my wife says, I'm dangerous when I have just a little <laughs> bit of idle time on my hands because ideas are always running through my head. And so, can imagine. you know, some guys, you know, their midlife crisis is spent on a red Corvette and <laughs> me and my two buddies said, let's just start a coffee shop and let's yeah. just bless the town with something cool. And, and so the name Brakeman's, you asked, where did that come from? A uh, Brakeman is the guy on the train uh, back in the day who was in charge of slowing the train down. And so this whole concept of a place where people come to intentionally slow down. Mm. Of course, it, it plays on the train theme of downtown Matthews, but more importantly, it's, it's kind of the antithesis of the Green Mermaid and them, you know, the, the other coffee shops, the corporate coffee shops are getting smaller and smaller very purposefully because they want you in and out. And so the idea of having a place that feels different and says, hey, come here, have real conversation, hang your hat for a while, meet some new friends, uh, and engage with people, which seems so simple, but yet I think it's, it's been lost in our culture a lot. It, it kind of is, is a way to, to resurrect and preserve that opportunity for people just to build relationships. So that's the story of slowing down and, and Brightman's. So... This whole idea of slowing down and like experiencing those around you. Have you ever gone into Brakeman's just kind of a fly on the wall? All the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I tell people if I'm there, I, I'm really, I don't work there. I right. mean, Sign Images and Covenant Day are my jobs. Okay. Brakeman's is my hobby. And uh, so if I'm there, it's not because I have to be there. It's because I want to be there. It's oh, because I know cool. people I love and people I want to just give a hug to and see and have mm-hmm. conversation with. And I can... Just because I also want to see that. I want to I sit back and watch stories being shared. I want to see friendships being reconnected. And I go, that's exactly why we did it. So, yeah, I, if I'm there, it's because I'm, I want to be. Yeah, that's really neat. Even just the passion of this podcast is to sit down and just listen to each other. And I think that's such a valuable experience in this world, even though um, it seems so simple, like you said. It's so important. Mm-hmm. So you have your family, um, Silent Images, Brakeman. So why add Covenant Day faculty member just to the mix of Yeah, things? right. Um, I love teaching. My staff, that's my first classroom. And I really view my staff, who aren't much older than you, come and work for me. And I just love coaching them. They have tons of talent. They have right. tons of passion. And I just really just running a very small classroom of about six staff who I just could have feed life into and just kind of hopefully just navigate coach in a lot of ways. I've kind of moved from player to coach. So I, I love that just opportunity. And so 
when Dr. Ecker had reached out to me and said, hey, what do you think about doing this at Covenant Day? It was a no-brainer for me. A, I just love being in the classroom. I love being in the high school atmosphere. Once you're a teacher, you're always a teacher. <laughs> but also, I see it as, you know, it's kind of the, the minor leagues for me to also feed into the next generation of storytellers, of videographers, photographers. I get an opportunity to, to meet amazing students who uh, are incredibly talented, who are asking the question, God, what, how can you use me? And I just want to offer them the opportunity to recognize that it might be with the camera. And, and I realize I, I, you know, that some of these students I'm teaching right now, four years from now, might be working for Scion Images. And I would love that. I'd love for that to be the end of the story, that Definitely. I look at someone, you know, Josh Davey, who was in my class last year, and four years later he graduates and says, hey, I just ended up majoring in communications, and I think I want to come work for you. And I go, awesome. Join the team. You know, I mean, that would be uh, such a win for me. So um, it just, yeah, it gives me life, and I I love it. It stretches me, no doubt, Uh, just time-wise. Even though it's one class, uh, it stretches me, but it's worth it. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do in that class and what stories you tell? Yeah, so the, the class is basically to teach you videography. It's, okay. you know, how, how do you use a camera? Uh, let's look at modern trends in storytelling, particularly with film. Uh, what does the short film look like? Um, and so we, you know, we're limited as to what we can do. And so a lot of our stories ends up, end up being campus stories. So two major projects. One, we do uh, one video of, you know, basically advertising Covenant Day. What makes Covenant Day such a great school? The other video is what we call Lion Tales. And those are where the students go find a story, like you are, in this podcast. And we do a, a, an interview. They learn how to set up an interview, conduct an interview, mm-hmm. film an interview, edit it with some B-roll, and kind of make a, a short film about a story of an inspiring student, teacher, uh, staff member here. So those are the two major projects that students walk away uh, having produced. Yeah, and I've only heard... Um, great things about this class and just uh, what an experience it is to be able to not only learn from you and a couple of your staff members as well. Yeah, right? yeah. I bring in my, you know, I tell them first day, I'm like the coolest people that will ever be in this classroom are all my staff members. They are, uh, they're awesome. And so I love bringing them in. And so uh, like I said, they're, you know, they're young and they got uh, just a connectivity with the students is fun to see. Right. That and happen. are they right down the road? They are. So, so they, they, they yeah, that's right. They're here in two minutes. That's so neat. So just kind of, getting a bigger picture. You've been um, across the world um, to many different communities and experienced a lot of different things. Can you tell us kind of what Mark's Covenant Day um, begun to send your daughter here at Covenant Day? Obviously, there's something that you truly do admire about this community. Could you share a little bit about what Mark's Covenant Day? Uh, First of all, I love the family aspect of it. I'll I'll tell you a story to paint the picture. So on the first day of dropping off Mariah to kindergarten, one of the staff members at Covenant Day was sitting outside the kindergarten uh, hallway, uh, passing out Kleenex to all the mothers. <laughs> well, the irony is, of course, my wife didn't need the Kleenex. I did, because <laughs> I was the one crying. <laughs> but the point being, it's, it's that touch that happens here that mm-hmm. um, even working at other elite private schools, um, there's amazing things about all the schools here Definitely. in the area, but there's a, there's a personal touch here that I hope and pray that Covenant Day never loses as we grow as we want to play with the big boys at the athletics and we're moving up in the conference and we have football and where campus is growing and numbers are growing. There's all kinds of great things happening. 
but that personal touch is what I think happens in so many different arenas here with relationships with faculty and students and watching students together. There's just, there's something unique here uh, that, that we love and we want our daughters to be a part of. That's such a neat story. Just sharing about what I love about coming to day two is just that community aspect that we truly do admire one another and admire who we are even in the craziest parts of life. Mm-hmm. So even can you share in a more vulnerable way, like a weakness? I think exposure. Mm. Uh, my hope and dream is that the students, as amazing of a hub we have here, that my daughters, as they go through here, will be pushed out of their comfort zone on a continual basis. And that uh, intellectually, theologically, but also just, uh, just culturally, diversity-wise, I want to see this school more diverse. There are certain things that students can't learn within the classroom, that a teacher can't teach. And I want to see Covenant Day grow in those areas where uh, we create experiences where our daughters by 12th grade. I, w- I would love to, to see her senior class look different than her kindergarten class, uh, just racially, honestly. I want to see more nationalities here. Yeah, that's my dream. That is a prayer of mine as well. Thank you so much, Mr. Johnson, for joining us today and just sharing about your journey and how you even began Silent Images and where that's brought you today. Um, We're so thankful you're a part of this community. Well, thanks. Keep telling great stories. Yes, I will. (laughs) In light of what this podcast is, my final question for you is, growing up or even today, who is your favorite storyteller? I mean, I, I don't want to give you the, the Jesus answer. Jesus was a great storyteller. <laughs> no, he was. Right? I mean, he, he taught by telling stories. And I, look at, I think I look back at a lot of my mentors in life, men who discipled me. They didn't necessarily tell me stories. They showed me stories. Mm-hmm. I, I watched them interact with people. I watched them go to Target and shop and treat the cashier with respect and dignity and call her by name and build relationships wherever they went. And so storytelling isn't always, to me, somebody who tells this clean narrative. It's someone who also lives it out. Um, and you can watch them, and you just know that their their life is a storybook that's just mm-hmm. kind of revealing truths and values and ethics and just kindness that you just go, oh, now I understand the scripture lived out through watching you. And so uh, I've had men in my life many of them who I've watched do that really well and so they're the best storytellers yeah that's amazing the idea of living out your story but thank you again for joining us today yeah thanks for having me Jackie